Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from a new iteration of our at-home studio on the back deck of our home in the backyard. Ah, summer is nice. The smell of flowers, bees in the air, and you might trees hear rustling. And occasional plane going overhead because we live quite close to a university that teaches people. Where I have trouble is cooking. If we didn't like to have coffee with every meal, we'd be a lot better off. I see. So I have not put it to my test yet. So soon we're going to be doing that. Yes, because we're about to do some boondocking. I feel more comfortable with the all-electricness than I did before. Uh, I went down and had uh, the three solar panels, and I don't know why I picked three. I don't know why I picked three either. He said he could do four. He said he could do 12. Well, on that one. So I went down and had the solar panels installed, and they did a very nice job, seamless in their installation so that you can't see any extra wires and just the solar panels on the top. I had hard, solid solar panels put on. After looking at the flexible ones, I decided it just wasn't worth the extra money and I didn't need flexibility and I wasn't going to walk on them because our roof is big enough. But if you're looking at solar panels, you might want to look at the flexible ones. Didn't someone tell us they don't produce as much electricity? Uh, that was, yeah, and they're more expensive. So, yeah. But, you know, in specialized situations where you didn't have a lot of... Where you, or you no had choices. a curved roof, yeah, or you know, yeah. there are other issues that that would be something to. And to you look also at. used the holes they made in the roof to finish installing. No, I didn't use the holes. I had them make s- holes. It's very nice when you go down to Napanee because the guy that I had installed the solar panels also worked at Numar a- on occasion, and so knew all of the ins and outs. And when I saw we're him, to put a hole, and we're not to put a hole. <laughs> right, and he asked me if we had uh, solar prep. Many motorhomes come with solar prep, and I said no. And he said that's just as well because he could do a better job of running the wires than they could anyway, and they're probably not heavy enough for what he was going to put in. So it did take, the installation did take two days. So I was in their parking lot. Of those two Uh, two things? Three things. Well, three things. And primarily, it was the solar panels, I would say. Well, no, not really. That took one day. Anyway, so we put in our solar panels and the controller and the uh, remote uh, sensor, the thing. And I just want to brag on you that you have now moved our satellite dish to the third rig, which (laughs) tells you how old it is. This is the third one. And and the move from my end was very seamless. You you had a little extra muscle power from our neighbors to help you go from one roof to the other, but, yeah, but you were able to install it and get it going relatively expeditiously. As our, our listeners know, I have, when we have thrashed around about how to get internet and how to make the, the satellite dish work and whether we should replace it with Wi-Fi or cell phone or whatever, and so I've kind of hedged my bets. We put a nice hole in the roof these Napani guys, and for my satellite, especially for my satellite dish, they did their own thing for the for the solar panels, but they put a special hole in it for, into a cabinet for me to install the satellite dish, and I ran a couple of extra wires so that I could put up a Wi-Fi antenna and a cell phone antenna, so that just in case these things came down the road and we wanted to switch to them, I would have it available. Heads your bets. And of course, for the 
cell phone antenna. Um, I didn't buy a Wilson Truckers. I just bought a inexpensive mount one that, and I put down a ground plane so that it would uh, work better. So all of that has happened, and the solar, the the actually the satellite dish worked pretty much out of the box. I yeah, put it up you, there, you moved it over, screwed it down, you have other and uh, it it worked. So that's pretty amazing. After all of these years, it's still working good, and I guess that's uh, the sign of a quality product. And we've always been happy with it. Um, and we thrash around about how to get our internet, which is a key component to us. But in the long run, whenever you can see the southern horizon, you got internet with this stuff. So, and we know we have a major trip to Canada in right. our future next summer, right. and to have the internet while we're up there reliably and affordably will be a wonderful thing. And while you were in Napanee, you had well, some downtime. Well, we're not, well, I'm not finished yet. Though. Oh. We had our new hybrid inverter installed also. Now, this had a pure sine wave inverter, which is an expensive item. But the new pure sine wave inverters with hybrid uh, are very nice because, and this is working exactly the way we expected. So I had, it, <coughs> I had the old one replaced, and I actually sold it back to them, and they gave me a credit, and so I didn't lose all the money. Because the sine wave inverter is about big bucks. The, the hybrid sine wave inverter is about twenty two hundred dollars. Big bucks. But the hybrid of it gives us the capability of boosting the shore power, so that when the <laughs> when our cook is cooking and wants to make coffee, the inverter just picks up the extra power. So the, basically, the way I have this set is is that I have it set right now to do. Anything above 10 amps, it inverts. Now, that may seem crazy, but our friend Bill Joyce told me that this was a good way to do it, and I think he was exactly right because he bought a, a hybrid all inverter also. So the, the bottom line is is that any time that there is more than 10 amps draw on the inverter circuits, that it will start inverting and provide additional power up to another 30 amps. And when you're cooking, this is good because... At 10 amps, you don't even know it. You can plug in the coffee maker and you need another 15 amps, no problem. It just starts inverting and taking from the batteries. And then, of course, as soon as the power is down, the power draw is down, that it will then start charging the batteries so that the batteries probably will never be depleted because your demand on them is for a fairly short period of time, like when you're cooking mm -hmm. or when you're drying your hair. Yeah. Or something like that. But normal life, you don't need it. Normal life, we're drawing less than 10 amps on a regular basis, and so that that works out fine. Now, I have it set at 10 because if we're on a 30-amp circuit, that means that I have 20 amps to run the air conditioner or the cooktops or the washing machine. Or the hair dryer? No, the hair dryer is part of it. The hair dryer is part of the inverter as a rule. Most of the plugs are part of the inverter, inverter circuits. System. But when you get off the inverter, when you're running the air conditioners or the washing machine or the cooktop, then that extra 20 amps will go to that. 20 amps is enough to run an air conditioner? Yeah. Mm. One. One. But at 30 amps, you're not going to run one anyway. Yeah. Right. So we're hoping that this, uh, this works out well. And, of course, the co-pilot has to test it out on the very first night. And I blew out the pedestal. <laughs> And we didn't even know it. 30 amps, she's out there. <laughs> she turns on the hairdryer. Boop. 
but we, we didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know it because the hair dryer was being well. That I had it set incorrectly. Yeah, I had it. I had the inverter set at like twenty amps, and so that. It, the first 20 amps was coming from the shore power, and because we were using something else in addition to the fridge could have been on, or right? Something. TV uh, was on. No, the fridge. No, the fridge runs off the inverter. Oh. It has to. Then what else was on? Good question. But something. So anyway, the bottom line was is that we tripped the the pedestal, and we didn't even know it. We watched TV. She watched. She dried her hair. We now, when I made the microwave popcorn. popcorn, the microwave was a little bit yes, yes. oddly Sluggish. behaving. But since this whole rig was new to me, I just thought, oh, I'm not going to like this microwave. Oh, that may be still the case. Well. I don't know. We've had some issues with this microwave. It's a Frigidaire, and Frigidaires have been recalled because they start up automatically. So be careful, folks, if you have a Frigidaire. And people have had fires in them when oh, they yeah. put stuff in well, them? Well, they leave stuff in there like the, we leave cereal in there. And All it, the time. So that uh, Frigidaire has had some issues, and uh, I noticed that Numar is no longer putting Frigidaires into their motorhomes, but that's a different issue because we have a Frigidaire, but it was wonky. Yeah, it didn't act quite right. Sorry well, I couldn't make a little one-serving thing of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> it was struggling, but that's because we were on the inverter. It shouldn't be. Well, it didn't work very well. Yeah, well. Usually you can make a one-serving popcorn in about two minutes, and I think I did it for four. Stay tuned for further developments in this exciting adventure of the Should I bring popcorn again tomorrow and Absolute, test it? Absolutely. All right, absolutely. we'll give it another yes, test. Yes, you need to. Well, it's going to be the same issue, though. Oh. Unless we start up the generator. Oh. So don't bother. And, of course, these, uh, you know, if you're thinking about replacing your inverter, you definitely want to think about a pure sine wave inverter. But you might want to think about the hybrid also. The, if, you're, if you're replacing the whole shot, adding a, a, the, the hybrid does not add that much money. But if you're replacing the whole thing, it can be expensive. But the nice thing about it is, is that you can get yourself a smaller generator and still run all of your appliances because at any time when you need more power than the generator is providing, you can just use the inverter to kick in. It's called supplemental power, and that's uh, it has a little message on the screen which says that it's supplementing the shore power. Anytime, that it, anytime whether you run a generator or shore power, it will kick in and... And give you an extra 30 amps, which is a, you know, a, a decent, decent amount of power. We had automatic generator start installed, so that if the batteries go too low, the generator will automatically start. And we had the battery sensors installed, so it will be communicating with the batteries and letting us know exactly what their condition is at all times. So hopefully that system, with eight batteries, will make... The whole the whole thing runs seamlessly for the co-pilot. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Nope, the ka-ching is over. And I did have a little downtime. Yeah, I heard you went to the Newmar factory. Went to the Newmar factory, right. And took the tour because... We've the, done that before, haven't we? Yes, we yeah. have. As always, it was an interesting tour. And we learned uh, several new things because they were manufacturing the 2015s. And I was very heartened to see that the factory was going uh, at a very rapid pace. They were making seven units per day which is a decent number when you consider the cost of these things. And they were only making units that someone had already ordered. That's Numar's philosophy, and that's why they're still in business, I think, is the fact that they only make units that are uh, for... Someone's ready to pay for. That somebody's ready to pay for, whether it be a dealer or a customer. But they were making seven a day, and they're making plans to go to eight a day. And it's interesting to watch your, your coach being made. 
and especially if it's your coach. And on the tour that I was on, there was a couple that was seeing their coach for the very first time. And, and did of course, they signed something in it. They had just put up the skeleton walls and they signed the wallboard. But then they won't see that. Again. No, no, you'll never see it. But uh-huh. it was they just kind of fun. There. And they were going to take the tour many times over the next week because it it spends about a week in the manufacturing process and then uh, another 10 days in the painting process. So there was a lot for them to see and it would be fun to watch your coach being built. So if you're down in the Elkhart Napanee area, you might want to consider taking some of the tours. I think quite a few companies down there offer yeah. Decent tours, and we've done that before. Yeah. And uh, I can hardly recommend it, even on a second time. You, you came home, and a few days later, we went on our first real camping trip. Real to camping. the Numar Rally, which was held in Escanaba. Michigan. Escanaba. Well, people don't know where Escanaba is. Oh, That's in the Upper, in peninsula, the upper peninsula of, of Michigan. Michigan, right? About 300 miles away from us, and so we drove up there. And well, we drove almost all the way up there oh, yeah. and camped for two nights about an hour away before we actually went to the rally at a campground that had the 30-amp electricity, oh, which yes. I blew, and water and sewer and all those good things. And lo and behold, our first night at the campground... Uh, can open one of the biggest slide, yeah. major slide, and it came out crooked. Da, 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 da. So he pushed the button to have it come back in, and it came in crooked. Ooh. So we thought, shoot, what are we going to do? Uh, but we were on our way we to the Numar Rally, where the Numar technicians are, and we thought, well, if this had to happen to us, this was a good night for it on to one, happen. On one of our very first nights camping. So then I went to flush our toilet, <laughs> and it broke as well. Now, and we learned both from one of these things were working just fine when we left the dealer, so we cannot blame them. But as you all know, RV lovers, things do break. And oh. this was when we discovered that we had an electronic toilet. Electric toilet. Whoever thought in an RV you'd need an electric toilet? Do you have an electric toilet, my I friend? Not. I hope not. We have always just had a standard RV toilet, which is pretty mechanical. Like it's you got, all have. It's got like a slot valve that you... Gravity works wonders. Right, that you open with a foot valve and or foot pedal, and it opens the valve and the stuff falls down, and then you swash a little water around there by moving the, the foot lever in a different direction. And that's always worked very well. We didn't even think about this when we bought our... We didn't really look at it very closely. No. I mean, I didn't think there was any need to have anything new. But, indeed, our... Our all-electric coach now has an all-electric toilet. (laughs) (laughs) And why you would need such a thing, I have no idea. Okay, so now we have two buttons on the side of our toilet seat, our toilet bowl, and it is a nice china toilet bowl, but I think our other one was nice, too. It was good enough. All you're doing is toileting. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so now you push the button, and the electric motor moves the valve, and then the solenoid squirts water. Like, you need those two things. It probably does a better job than our old one. Oh, did, come but, on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we had that our, little sprayer. Our other one had a sprayer, we, but we've needed that in a brush anyway. So, it's, anyways, this is hard to talk about. 
Well, it was frustrating, but we were, again, going to the right place. Because when we got to the Nubar Rally, many of the attendees had brought repair items of a long-standing nature and had pre-registered to have their work done. And we kind of slid in at the last minute, but everybody was very welcoming, very concerned, very anxious to remedy our problems. And within a few hours of our reporting of these problems, two sets of technicians were there fixing our toilet and realigning our slides at no charge to us. So what did we need for our toilet? Strangely enough, you had thought it was the solenoid, but it ended up being the motherboard. Who would guess that our toilet toilet is a a motherboard? motherboard. (laughs) So the poor guy had to get down on his hands and knees and take the toilet off the ground. Off the floor. and, And install a new collar before he put it back on. And a new motherboard. And a new motherboard for your toilet. This has got to be a new for a new something. A motherboard for a toilet. And anyway, well, but but we were very happy that the guy came out and fixed it, and uh, and we gave us no real explanation as to why it happened because we still have no happen. idea what things happen. And the Numar repair guys came out and they used a huge torque wrench for 150 pounds of torque. Uh, the Numars have electric. Uh, mechanisms for moving the slides and we've always found it to be very reliable and as a matter of fact it was it's so strong that I can't stop it from moving we tried we tried obviously I had my uh, friend a neighbor next door we just saw we go out and push the slide in as it as it uh, and you know Push on the, one side, on the injured side. Push one side in so that uh, it would match the other side. But we could not. We couldn't make it go any faster, and we couldn't stop it. So because I tried to stop the other side from going in as far it was, it was sticking out about four inches. Anyway, so they brought out this uh, giant torque wrench with a breaker bar on it, and they broke the torque nut. Not broke it, but loosened it. And uh, realigned the slides and tightened it up again, and it's been working good since. Well, these two technicians were working on (laughs) our new problems. There were also two other technicians that were doing installs of new things we wanted to add to the coach. So one um, shining moment, there were four sets of technicians all (laughs) working on on us, either repairing or installing stuff. And I was very impressed by uh, the quality of service, the promptness of service. Um, It helps to talk to the factory people. So if you have, whatever kind of a camper you have, if you start having a lot of problems with it. See if you can go to a rally that your manufacturer sponsors. And it's kind of a one-stop shopping. And one time we went to the Montana rally and... Had the same experience. And you know, there are people there who can answer your questions. There are people there who can take care of your problems and they have parts. And and because there were 360 Numar rigs there, there were all sorts of just uh, lay people who were made customized... So due to the wind, we are uh, changing our venues here, so please forgive us if the sound is a little bit different. So we were, we, along with uh, 350, 60 other rigs, we enjoyed all the sessions and the vendors and everything was customized to Numar, which was very nice, I thought. And we got to meet two listeners from Wisconsin, oh, right. Scott and Susan, who tracked us down and stopped by to say Another hi. Another fabulous experience. Which is always very fun. Somebody knocks on your door and it's somebody who listens. Um, and we've often mentioned that we enjoy that. And um, if you're in the area and you see, we don't have a sign on, this, on the yeah, side of the new rig yet, but uh, if you happen to see us there, please come over and 
knock on, and they sat down and chatted with us, and uh, we had a good time. And unfortunately, we couldn't go to their coffee or their outdoors. State, state cocktail hour. Okay. Yes, uh, but it was very nice to meet them, and we're very glad that they stopped over. Um we were. We did happen to see all of the, nine, the 2015 rigs that were on display, and that's another nice thing is you get to see all the, the latest. How would you characterize the new rigs? Well, the top-of-the-line ones were way too glitzy and shiny for me. Yeah, that's shiny wood we don't like. Um, it felt ostentatious, I guess mm-hmm. I, I would say. They had to show you where all the money was going. Mm-hmm. It it's so up to nine hundred thousand dollars. So so far from camping, <laughs> six hundred horsepower engines and oh boy, and very shiny and chromey and yeah, high and high profile too with the awnings built into the side of the rig. They were taller, taller. Which yeah. Seems like a bad idea. And rear bath. Well, and bath and a half, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure we like, but well, it does get you a clothes closet, right? Right. Did I complain already about how I don't have a coat closet? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Please. We need we need more complaints. <laughs> well, I'm still feeling frustrated as we have moved um, all of our stuff. Which from, we hadn't done last time. From the old motorhome, which we still own, to the new motorhome. And given the fact that the new motorhome is three feet longer, one would think we would have more storage space, but we do indeed have much less. Uh, what I'm missing the most is a coat closet, which none of the new rigs that we saw at yeah. the rally have either. That's just not the done thing at the moment, Some of them did. And, and we've had to go out and buy, what, new containers and stuff to try uh, to organize the well, space. But I've got two big containers in the garage right now that I can't fit into the anywhere, new motor yeah. anywhere that came out of the old one. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of... And I've jettisoned some of my old dishes and tried to be more streamlined in that regard. And until we really are in there for the winter with a lot of food and stuff, I won't yeah. know for sure. Yeah, because it does have a big pantry. My sense is that this is considerably smaller than what we had, and that's disappointing. It's somewhat smaller. Am I happy with DEF? You said it gave you better gas? I, I did go to a Freightliner session, and that was the other nice thing about going to the rally is there were all sorts of specialized sessions where you can go learn about uh, various aspects of your motorhome or RV. And one of them was uh, sponsored by Freightliner, and as you probably know, I've gone from Spartan to Freightliner. And I was worried that uh, I wouldn't get as good a service from Freightliner because they're a big truck company. But, in fact, I find out that they're not, that the RV division is entirely separate from the truck division, and that they are actually very responsive and they have great service. A nationwide network. And so we are really, now listen to this, we're looking forward to a great trip. To see my sister. No, no, no. No, no. We're looking to a great trip to Gaffney, South Carolina. And I'm going to go see my sister. Now, why would you want to go to Gaffney, South Carolina? It's almost as much it's fun as going to... It's my sister. It's almost, geez, it's almost as much fun as going to Charlotte, Michigan. Which isn't close to anything. Because Charlotte is where Spartan is located, and Gaffney, North Carolina, is where Spart- uh, where Freightliner is, is located. So we're going to get to go to the Freightliner School. Have a good time. While you're visiting your sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things I do for this RV, but it's uh, I I like to go and learn about the all the aspects of the chassis and lubricating and how to 
pull your lanyards and all that exciting stuff. And I can do it with Freightliner. They make 78% of the of the chassis for motorhomes. So most of you, if you have a motorhome, probably have a Freightliner chassis. How many of you have been to Gaffney? North Carolina. It's another nowhere place from what I remember. <laughs> Do you remember? We've been there? Yeah, we've been through it. Really? Yeah, through it. <laughs> another quite shocking thing happened. Um, the dealer where we bought our motorhome had a tornado. <laughs> Jeez. 43 RVs. Were damaged. Were damaged. And two were destroyed, I think and two said. or three were destroyed. Boku and, insurance filing claims course, needed to be submitted. As, as most of you know... Our, we went and bought our RV in May and then came back in June to actually pick it up. And if we'd been one week later, our brand new, well, no, not our brand, brand new to us, RV would have been sitting there during it, this tornado. It would have ended up in a much less pristine condition than it is now. And interestingly enough, I mean, they made it clear that their insurance did not cover starting the day that we bought it. Bought it. We did have insurance, as as you would have to have, but if something had gone wrong there... Well, and there was just in the news that horrible storm in Virginia where a lot oh, of campers yeah. got injured by a tornado and exactly. two died, I think. So you're always vulnerable when you are in an RV when there's bad weather, but it really was a surprise to us that the dealer that where we had just been was the one who got hit right, right. after we took our rig out of there. Yeah. Uh, one more thing about the electric toilets. Sorry to jump around, but uh, I did find out there are there is some logic to electric toilets. Because? All of the toilets that are in the main bathroom, when you have a rear bath, <clears throat> all have to have a macerator. Oh, I was reading about that. And people put them in and people have them in. No, anyway. no, no. No, no. This, because... To get that to the black to tank? Because that toilet does not sit over the black, black tank, tank as we, as ours do. Uh-huh. The black tank is still located mid-coach. They have to have a to slurry. Move things, to move things along. <laughs> they have to have, uh-huh. uh, in the rear coach, the toilet has to be electric because it has to have a macerator because it has to uh, so that's why. liquefy things before it goes down the tube. Because but we don't have a macerator. No. But that would be a reason why you'd need – and not only that, but I was uh, read several threads about people who are very dissatisfied with that system because two or three days it fills up their black tank. Because <gasps> you get so much water and Because you have stuff. to have so much water, apparently. Oh, that would not be good, especially if you were not planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, of course, the thing that was interesting is, is that it shuts down both toilets simultaneously. Oh, that would not be Because they either. communicate with each other because they have a motherboard. <laughs> So people were quite upset about the fact that they suddenly couldn't flush their toilets. Either one of them. Because the tank was being reported as full. But it does seem strange, though. I mean, ours holds 32 gallons, and that's a lot of, pardon the word, well, shit. Maybe you need a lot of fresh water to move things along. Not the, well, you, that would definitely cut down your boondocking time. Yes, it would. If you use 32 and it gallons. Use up your fresh water. If that's you what I'm saying. That, as well. It would cut down your boondocking time because you'd be using 32 gallons of water, water. every three or four days yeah. to f- yeah. flush your toilets. Ours uses, a quart, I doubt even a quart, or even now. It's and of course, uh, prior to this, with the the very manual gravity feed, you could decide how much water you want to put down it, and it didn't need much. Depending on whether you're boondocking or not. But we've never had it flow, overflow, no. or never even came close to having no, it full, no, and it no. uh, 
lasts us at least two weeks. Yeah. At least two no weeks. Problem. So I don't know. That's another one of those problems with these new coaches, I guess. So we were glad not to be part of the... <laughs> the macerator crowd. Well, the macerator crowd, but also the tornado crowd. Yeah. Uh, and not get... Uh, those problems. Um, we did also have installed, as Martha said, we had the four guys out, and two two of the guys were doing new installs. I had uh, digital tank readouts installed, which is a pretty cool process. So now we know exactly how much poop we have in the tank. We now know that we have 33% full rather than a third full. <sighs> Whoop-de-doo. I know that I'm at 62% and not 66%, which the gay... We just had little... We had three little LEDs that told us the level of fluids in our tanks. So we have three tanks, the black, the gray, and the fresh. And now we have uh, digital sensors for those. And I was surprised that this is something that you could actually do, and that's definitely doable as an aftermarket item. Mm -hmm. Because these sensors, and the good thing about these sensors is, is that they go on the outside of the tanks, so they never get clogged up. And these sensors are, you just sand it and make it rough, and then they have self-adhesive stuff on it, and they're, it, they adhere to the outside of the tank. And in our case, actually getting at the tanks was very easy. Took off a piece of pegboard, and there all three there tanks were. were, and you could, you just put the the sensors right on there. They're like solid-state circuits, so they are, are thin and just have a couple wires coming off of them, which is very nice. And he was able to use the same wires going back to the, to the gauge that's uh, in inside. He could use those same wires to, there already. to hook up the system. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking about or you're having trouble with gauges, and everybody does, let's face it, yeah. Because for years they've been on the sensors are on the inside, and after a couple of years they go bad. And if you're having trouble with that, then you might want to consider these. Uh, they were from. You have to look on our webpage. <laughs> I can't remember the name right offhand. And then I also had uh, installed a SureGuard, which is our line power line monitoring system which keeps track of the polarity and the voltage and shuts you down if it's too low voltage and shuts you down if it's too high voltage. And that, that sounds rather draconian, but it's a good idea because yeah, if you have too high of power or too low line voltage, then that'll start blowing out things inside your RV. So this is a, I had ours hardwired, but you know you can buy from SureGuard the portable units that you plug into the pedestal and then plug your RV into that and it monitors I've been amazed over the years how often this has been an issue for us. Um, as you know, I'm not interested in electricity. I just <laughs> oh, really? want to turn things on and have them work. And, and trying, initially, we, we've been in some parks where this thing shut us down, and I was like, can't we just circumvent this somehow? But when you think about all the valuable electronic items that are within your RV, uh, you don't want them to be damaged because some campground owner cut corners and installed it himself and didn't know quite how to do it properly. Um, that can really cause you major problems. Well, not only major problems, but it can cause injury, too, because as we read about uh, a little boy, a, a little got, boy electrocuted. got electrocuted, you know, if you ever feel a tingle from the skin of your RV or from any part of your RV, follow up on it and find out what the problem is because you should never feel any electrical tingle from your RV. And that's exactly what the SureGuard does is that it senses that sort of thing and shuts the power down rather than killing somebody. This little, what was a five-year-old? 
three-year-old kid stepped off the trailer and 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 grounded the trailer and something, and it was killed. And this happened within the last month. So these uh, disasters do happen, and you want to take precautions not to have it happen to you. Uh, We also had... uh, Something else I'm brand new with, and that's the Oasis heating system. So we have essentially a hot, uh, hot liquid radiator heating system, and we did have a chance to use the heat while we were there. Mm-hmm. It's cold one. So it's run off of diesel rather than propane because we don't have propane anymore, and you can buy these as propane, but ours happens to be diesel. So it has a diesel. Uh, jet that fuel is pumped through and then the the fuel is ignited and it heats a antifreeze liquid. We have eight gallons of antifreeze in the Oasis system. And that Do you have to replace and that, that periodically too? No, I don't think so. Just not, keep an eye that it's not leaking out. Right. And so that is is circulated through the, the system and it runs through some radiators that uh, give you actually in, in the coach heat. It's used for hot water. You can use it to heat the engine if it's really cold outside. So the Oasis system replaces uh, quite a few other systems that we have had in the RV before, but it does need servicing. And because it uses diesel, it has a diesel filter. And so the guys came out and serviced that and gave me a new jet and gave me an air filter and several other things. But I was surprised, frankly, at how loud it is. Oh, I remember, we went to the Oasis session. At their session, <laughs> we found out why I was getting subatomic blasts of heat from my sink. It melted my eyeliner. I was afraid to put my contact lenses and in my bathroom. She had her stuff in the vanity in the, kitchen, in the bathroom. It was so hot coming out of there. Well, and every time I would open up the bays, I would hear this hum, and I attributed it to the inverter. But we found out, we went to the session... Which is why it's really good to go to these things uh, and hear from the factory people. And the guy says he's talking about uh, servicing the Oasis and blah, 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 blah. And then he says, the two things that we have the most common problems are that there's this switch on your Oasis that's down in the bay. And this switch is used when the factory is charging your system. And it's used to turn the pumps on and keep them on so that it keeps the the fluid recirculating. But as soon as they're done, you're supposed to turn the switch off and it should never be turned on again. But he said sometimes people turn them on or sometimes they're on. And I said, really? And what happens is, is that the pumps that circulate the coolant are on all the all time. The, all the time. And so it's, it's circulating hot fluid all the the time time. (laughs) so i go back to the coach and he showed us exactly where the switch is located ours was on i click it it's quiet underneath in the bay and my contact lenses congealed (laughs) once again within their cases (laughs) can you imagine this and we would have we would have left that on forever Uh and and who knows how long it had been on i might have liked it in the winter but i wasn't liking it in july it was just a constant little hum that you could hear in the background so we hope we like the oasis and the oasis is nice because they can put heat radiators in places that they couldn't before because you don't have to have those big silver Pipes running to them. So you just have water hoses, well, coolant hoses running to each radiator. So each radiator in the coach has its own fan, and they're turned on by the thermostat. And then the coolant is circulated, and so it uses like a radiator to push the heat into the air. And it's a good thing. Oasis hopefully will be, will be good. We'll, we'll give you more reports on that later. There are two of these brands, Aqua Hot and Oasis. And, of course, Oasis says that we're the best. 
Well, yeah. But Numar has used uh, has used both. So the last thing we did on the rally day was we had ourselves weighed. Which I know is very important for trailer people because they yes. easily well, can overload themselves. But I was questioning why we had to do it since we have all these big well, you wanna, tires and axles. and. Well, that doesn't mean they can't be overweight. And I did have a weight without you in it. Which made a big difference, <laughs> I'm sure. I was nice. <laughs> they want the co-pilot in and the co-pilot out. <laughs> Uh, so we spent a few bucks and had the, the coach weighed just to make sure that everything was within specs, and indeed we were. We have uh, about three tons of carrying capacity, even fully loaded with uh, all the fluids, so we're in pretty good shape there. But they do tell you a couple of good things, and one that is how much air pressure to have in your tires. So based on the actual weight of your coach determines how much air you have in your tires. So now we'll be perfect at all times. Well... We will. Well, but you're, I have to add a little because you're sitting in the front seat. I see. But all six tires need to, all six, eight tires we have now, right? Oh, my goodness. No. Six. Eight. Six in the back and two in the front. Oh, uh, yeah. It's going to cost a lot to replace. We'll make them last as long as they possibly can because they will be correctly filled with air. The tire pressure sensing sensing system is still working marginally. Beeping at us fairly often. Beeping at us fairly often, so I'm not sure that the uh, thermometer interference was solved that, problem. solved that problem. At least not totally. Right. So now that we have finished emptying out our old rig <laughs> and trying in vain in some cases to put everything in our new rig, we have put our old beloved motorhome on the market. Right. And we have posted. Lots of pictures of it on rvt.com and rvtrader.com. Um, if you know anybody who would be interested in a much-loved 2004 Dutch Star, take a look. Tell your friends. Uh, so far, in less than a week, we've had a nibble, but we don't know how long this is going to take us, and we would like to give our beautiful rig a new home. And we have uh, a, some email from a listener. Now, some of you have said... And I certainly understand this, that you don't know how to get Internet. Do I need to get Wi-Fi? Should I get cell phone service? And, you know, as I said at the beginning when I said we put up our satellite dish, this is a constant hassle. This question tortures us, too. And I want to read email from a listener, Bob, and he was very nice to send me in response to a couple of my comments on Google Plus. And by the way, I hope that you're joining Google Plus because we have 150 members now, which wow. to us is a lot. Wow. But uh, I do post there fairly regularly and we have had some pretty good conversations with uh, folks and you get to see the latest of what's going on with your RV what's navigators. What's on everybody's mind? And as we're finding out, there are actually people advertising. <laughs> so I'm wondering whether we want to have corporate members or not. But we'll have to Let decide. us know how you feel about that. Yes, indeed. Do you mind having Thor advertising? I don't know. I, I suppose if you can wade through all of the literature that and get to us. I mean, we're, this is for the RV navigators mm-hmm. and their listeners to share. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Thor Industries listens to us at all. Well, somebody from there did. Why would no. they have asked to be a member? Because they saw it on Google Plus, it was an RV oh. s- site. Oh. They don't know that there's a the podcast involved. Oh, really? Well, why? Well, they do. They were just trolling mm. Google Plus. Not loyal. Loyal. So uh, anyway, Bob says I've been listening to all of your podcasts for at least a year or more. 
I enjoy them very much. Oh, you know, this is this is number one twelve. Uh-huh. Which means we're a whole year away from a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so the podcast just keeps going on. In your last episode, you mentioned a Wi-Fi solution, so I wanted to share my solution with you. My wife and I work from our motorhome, so having good internet connection is very important. I researched what was offered in the RV and marine industry and found that some make use of a bullet-type compact router antenna mounted on the outside of the RV that receives the campground signal and then rebroadcasts it to the RV. And some mount a typical Wi-Fi router inside the RV and run the antenna cable to the outside where the antenna is mounted. One of the weaknesses of these solutions is is that the Wi-Fi router has only 200 megawatts as a transceiver. I combined these ideas by mounting a Ubiquiti Pico 1000 milliwatt router on my crank-up WineGuard TV antenna mast and connected the Ethernet output of the Pico to the WAN port of a typical Wi-Fi router inside the RV. This way, I get the best connection possible between my RV and the campground, and the campground only sees one connection from the Pico. This is good if the campground limits the number of devices they will let you connect to their Wi-Fi because they only see one connection. I did run into a problem this year at a campground that allows unlimited connections. However, they throttle the bandwidth that each connection receives. So by connecting all of my devices through the Pico, my bandwidth was severely limited. So I connected each device separately. The Pico was also the least expensive option. It may or may not be a more difficult to set up, but if you have a setup with a Wi-Fi router in your home, you should be able to handle this. So I will put up a link to the Pico, and that's spelled P-I-C-O, and I think it is a marine product, uh, to the webpage for this month, and you might want to consider using this as an option. I'm also, as I said, I put a couple of antennas up there, and I may put a Pico up there if uh, if this sounds like a good idea. I've emailed a couple times with him, and it seems like it's working pretty good, and it might be a very viable solution, and to get an extra, you know, well, five times the amount of power out of your Wi-Fi gives you that much more distance and range that you can use. But this only gives you internet if you're in a place that is well, supplying some internet already. As I mentioned, one of the biggest problems we have is not really the signal strength of it's the Wi-Fi. There's no internet. And this is something that everybody needs to understand is, is that the number of bars on your fan does not tell you how fast the connection is to their Wi-Fi router. Their access point, called an AP, is the is the connection at the campground and if that connection has a very limited limited supply supply of data then even though the fan or the connection to you to their ap is good it's not going to give you any extra bandwidth and we stay at places often that have no internet so that wouldn't help us. Well, well, sometimes, but sometimes you're just too far away. Right. Or the sign- and, of course, right. the weaker, the, the fewer the bars are on your Wi-Fi signal, the lower the bandwidth anyway. Mm-hmm. So having the That's maximum sort of number, number some of the, the, the most robust connection between you and the AP is good, but if the AP doesn't have a good connection... You still gonna, end up frustrated. Right, and depending on how many users, and certainly we have experienced that fairly recently. But... Uh, we'll see. And I would be very interested to hear how 
your experiences are with these types of things. And so please send us an email so we can share it with all of our listeners. Here are some interesting things about RVing that uh, you may not know. More than half, 58%, and this is a survey of RVers, 58% use regular toilet paper in their RV bathrooms. We at least look and see if it's uh, septic compatible. Mm -hmm. And another one is... Nearly one-third pay to store their RV when they're not using it. And that certainly is us. Now we're paying to store two RVs. Aren't we lucky? More than one-third, 38%, would not likely camp where cell phone service is unavailable. Because they're using... For the Internet, I assume. For the Internet, and and to be gotten a hold of, too. More than half, 58%, pay to have the oil changed in their RV or tow vehicle instead of doing it themselves. themselves. Our RV takes seven gallons of oil. What am I going to do with that? You could drown in, while you were doing that. A whopping 85% use an online banking service. Well, duh. Well, there's still people that are nervous about that. Yeah, I guess so. 13% have driven or towed their RV more than 700, 700 miles oh, in a single God. day. Have well, we've you done two, that? With well, the, not with, me. With the trailer, we've done that. Well, not with just a single driver like no, me. But when 700 we, miles? When we went to Alaska the first time? We drove 700 miles in a day? Oh, sure. Oh, my God. What was I thinking? Well, you had my no younger time. days. Well, and you had to get back to work. What can you do? Take more days. <laughs> Not when you're going back to work. 16% drink directly from the tap in their RVs. Another third, 32%, do so, but only after filtering it. I don't like drinking from the tap of the RV. I don't even drink from the tap in our house anymore. <laughs> I've gotten paranoid. The more we filter, the more we find unusual critters and lumps and things in, in the filters. And you think about ingesting that, and that's something that you can easily do something about. So, Anyway, uh, Microsoft will be discontinuing its mapping products, Streets, Streets and, and trips, trips, at the end of December. A lot With of more and more people turning to their phone or in-car navigation systems, we felt it was the right time to exit this market. Hmm. And I kind of disagree with that because I think the rooting aspects of Streets and Trips is really what its power is. But there will be other alternatives. So from this month, we will be headed to the Oshkosh Air Show, the EAA. And I'm now a member of the EAA. Or we will be putting our... Ask me what EAA stands for. I don't know. Something experimental aircraft. Yeah, Experimental Aircraft Association, Uh something I never knew I wanted to Uh join, but you have to join in order to go. And we will be camped there putting our all-electric coach to the ultimate test because it will be a boondocking experience. Right. So will we be happy next month? Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll tell you. We will also be talking about other exciting things next month. RV things? How about dash cams? How about nanocopters? Oh. Oh, we got things to talk about. But I don't want you to forget to watch a new RV series on the TV. So if you get uh, the Travel Channel starting Sunday, the last Sunday of July, the 28th. This program comes out August 1st. And succeeding Sundays. (laughs) Well, you're going to have to go back and pick up a couple of these. I'm sorry. You can watch uh, a new show called Big Time RV. What's it about? It's about people buying RVs. Oh, they probably are worried about the, how much hot, hot water, water they have. Capacity. And we have unlimited hot water now. Oh, we <laughs> we so would worried. pass any test that anybody would want to give us because we so the Oasis worried. gives us all the hot water we want to have or we need to have. So 
With that, ladies and gentlemen, we will turn it over to next month and hope that we will see you in a campground near us, which will happen if you happen to be in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, during the air show. Come on over and see us. Bye for now. See you later.